You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Tanya Pinkins, and you're listening to my podcast, You Can't Say That. A friend of mine once bought about 75 acres of land, and her sister, who worked for an old wealth family, told her boss about her sister's purchase. The patriarch responded, Why so little? To which the sister replied, Well, that's all that was for sale. And the patriarch quipped, Oh, darling, everything is always for sale. There are certainly people in showbiz who think artists are and should be for sale. After all, isn't acting just another form of prostitution? I'm happy to say that I'm not for sale. I know my worth, and it can't be bought. And when you come in the package of a brown female body, for people who think everything is always for sale, the only thing they can say about you is that you are very difficult. Difficult because not being able to have the will by manipulation or money is difficult for them indeed. My next guest and I have shared conversations about our perceptions by others in show business. Please welcome me in speaking with my dear friend and colleague, Charlene Woodard, star of Pose. Hi, my name is Tanya Pinkins, and you are listening to You Can't Say That on the Broadway Podcast Network. And it is such a thrill for me today to be talking with my old, not old in that way, but that we've known each other a very long time. Decades. Decades. Friend, Charlene Woodard, who is a Tony-nominated star of the original Ain't Misbehaving on Broadway. And she is a playwright and a director, and she is currently starring as Helena on the hit series Pose. That's true. (laughs) That's true. You looked at me like that was some St. Rogers. You know why I looked at you like that? Because I'm also um, recurring on uh, Prodigal Son. Okay. And I play Gabrielle Ledeux. Oh, okay. A therapist. So um, that's what I've been coming back and forth to. Um, so you've been coming here to do Prodigal Son, not to do Pose. Exactly. Okay. And pose. so how do you like it, being on TV like this? You're in series regular on something and a recur on another. How do you like it? You know, I'm actually learning how to do it. Okay. <laughs> Tell us <laughs> about that. Because you know I'm a theater person. Right. Every, and and uh, it takes a different set of muscles to get used to that little audience, which is that camera. Mm-hmm. And and the people that you're playing with are so close and it's so intimate, mm-hmm. you know, TV. And um, so it's taken me a bit of a – it's taken a while to learn a new thing like that, you know. But – I am very thankful to, you know, Ryan Murphy and them who just gave me Pose. Just sort of gave it to me like a gift. Nice. Mm -hmm. Isn't that wonderful? Mm Mm-hmm. When people just, okay, let me see what's going to happen here. You know? (laughs) And that is Dory Bernstein who just walked in in the middle of our interview here. And Dory and Charlene have never met each other. So, Dory, don't whisper, don't tiptoe. Just say hi. (laughs) Hi, Dory. (laughs) Dory is the creator of this podcast along with her partners. And Dory's going to sit in with us right now. Um, Shall we hold or shall we keep going? So, how do you remember us meeting? I remember you in, I would be in auditions. Uh, this is back in the uh, uh, 80s, top of the 80s. And um, 
I'd finished Ain't Misbehaving, and I was just I I was doing all these off Broadway shows, and uh, I remember seeing you, Tanya, come into a, a few rehearsals, a, a few um, auditions before I even met you and you'd come in with a big blonde wig and you just you know like it was nothing and then just go in the door and do your audition and come back out and you know or I'd see you another time maybe a purple wig maybe a whatever hmm. the, the clothes that you wore and the, the way you got ready to go to work in those auditions you know wow. and I always said that's a risk taker She's taking a risk here. You know, I'm not, you know, it didn't occur to me to come like that for the audition, but this is a risk taker. And then we were doing, uh, George Wolfe had us doing the uh, a Bertolt Brecht. Yes, that's what I remember. We were doing Caucasian Chalk Caucasian Circle at the public chalk circle. in masks. We mm-hmm. called it Slaving in Gonav. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was playing Grusha. Yeah. And uh, uh, one of the actors left, mm-hmm. and you replaced her. And on the first day of your rehearsal, you said, um, let's go have lunch. And we did. And we've, we've been friends ever since. Yes. That's, mm-hmm. that, is my, that is my memory as mm-hmm. well. That is my yeah. memory as well. One of my sort of fond memories of a conversation we used to have, and I still have it, is we used to talk about, is there anyone who has the career that we wanted to have? Do you remember that? We would say, who has a career that we want to have? Well, actually, you know, um, it's a funny thing because back then uh, we had an idea of what that career would be. Mm -hmm. And what's happened with me is I've noticed that I I had been, for that at that time, modeling my career on things that I had seen other people do. Mm. And not having my career come from my gut, Mm. you know? And uh, we were thinking at that time, I know Mm. I was, that people had to give me the opportunity to create. Mm. And I know that's what I felt. Really? Like I needed to, uh, yes, because, uh, you know, uh, at the time I was doing a lot of musicals. But at this point, you had already created your own plays. Okay, so, you so that waiting for no, but that's what I'm saying is, is time went by, and I changed my whole thing and realized I can uh, create the career mm-hmm. that I want. Mm-hmm. I can do that, mm-hmm. and um, and it, and it, and it, when I grasped that idea and turned it into a truth, you know, my whole thing changed. Everything changed. Was you know for the good Mm. and the career that I have now uh, I couldn't even imagine Mm. this career back in the day Mm. and but it's something of my own make my own making and it's uh, incredibly exciting Um, I'm very glad to have lasted this long in the business you know because times have changed and anything goes there's nothing you can't say right right you can't say you can you can't say that (laughs) That's right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, we did talk about this. Yeah, so does anybody have the career that you want right now? No. Okay. So what is there still more that you want? Well, I just, you know, I am a playwright. Mm-hmm. And I wrote, I just recently, I have a play that's one year old. Mm. I'm giving birth to it right mm-hmm. now. Um, I've had uh, three workshops. Mm-hmm. I wrote this play. It's called The Garden. Mm-hmm. And um, 
it's a two-character play. And, you know, what I see for this play is that I run the regionals, get it in, in shape, because a play is not a play until you put it in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. And uh, this play needs an audience, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, I just finished doing... Uh, a new stages festival at the Goodman. Mm -hmm. uh, and because I wanted to use a, a specific actor. And that actor said, I'm in Chicago 10 months of the year. Mm. And I said, huh. You know, Essie Patha Merkerson mm -hmm. is the person I thought when, it, this is a commis commission, the garden is a commission from the La Jolla Playhouse. Okay. So I said, hmm, Epatha, you would be the one I want to work with on this. So, uh, Ipeta says, I, I am in Chicago 10 months of the year. I said, then that means I've got to get it to Chicago. Okay. She says, yes. So then I asked my literary agent to send it to the Goodman. I know that theater, you know. So I've never worked there. I've always wanted to. I said, send it to them. See if they'll give us some kind of, some kind of workshop or something. Next thing you know, boom. Robert Falls has said, oh. come on. And so we're in that festival. Then when we get there, then Epatha says, "Ah, oh, now I've got, I'm working on the TV show. I can only make one day of rehearsal. Oh. I'm like, what, what? Everybody's in a, in a tizzy. And I said, hmm, let's do it on Zoom. Let's rehearse on Zoom. Whoa. And so I, she, and Epatha says, what is Zoom? And you should have seen <laughs> the two of us. You know, I do, I'm a, I'm a council member of the Dramatist Guild. And so all of our, um, Meetings. Meetings are on Zoom because people are all over the country. So I said, come on, we're going to Zoom this. Now, and are you the other character in the play? Yes. Okay, so it was you and Apatha as the actors. Okay, okay. Yeah, and you know, I'd worked with Apatha years ago in uh, 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 Raisin in the Sun at the Philadelphia Drama Guild. Okay. She played Ruth and I was Benita. Okay. Benita. And now I needed her to play this mother and me to play this daughter. Now, she's an amazing, amazing actor, and I knew she could do it. You know, I just knew it. And I was looking forward to working with her again because we're kindred spirits, you know. And um, so then she's, we rehearsed, she and I, four hours on Zoom for three days. Okay. You know, we, just like we would what do in the room. What would you have had if you'd been in the room? It would have been the same thing. Oh, you only had the three days, no matter what. So you it's just decided days, you'd do it on I Zoom. But I also said, you know, this character is not a character that you get in, you know, but she's been she's had the different rewrites and everything for like a year. Okay. And um, when we did the read through, I was just like, mm, she's in the pocket. So then we the next day, I was directing it. I decided I'm going to direct this workshop. Awesome. Because I had all other times I had left the directing up to everyone says, Charlene, don't be the the actor and the playwright. Just be the playwright. Why not? You know. Why shouldn't you so get to I be So I had all? these two workshops, and it's like. I'm sitting there going, uh-uh, my hands are tied when you're in a rehearsal and you're the playwright and you know exactly how things are supposed to be going and the actor isn't quite, and then the actor's asking questions and the director is like, eh, and you're just like, what is happening? This isn't working. Mm. So I said, I'm going to do it. Awesome. I'm going to be the other character. I'm going to, and I'm, and you know, Epatha yes. is going to, yes. and we're going to be like, bam, bam, bam. We were like, Epatha came into rehearsal for that one day. And we had set it for an eight hour day. 
Also, I've got Shirley Fishman in the room, my dramatist. Yes. And um, sure, for those days, we did do the three days of rehearsal that they give us. But that was so I could rewrite, stay up every night and be rewriting, rewriting, rewriting. And, and Shirley's just asking the good question. I you, love Shirley. To the point where you could just say, shut up, Shirley, please leave me alone. <laughs> uh, you know, but, you know, uh, you know, playwrights probably don't like a dramaturg. But, you know, actors really do need that third eye. Mm. So I thought... Hmm. And Shirley would ask a question that, like, the big question she asked me, Tanya. What was it? That made, I will always ask myself this question when I'm writing anything. When is there blood on the floor? Come on! Mm. When is there blood on the floor Mm. in your play? Mm. I had to get to work. You know, and she 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 asked me that after we did I did it at Ojai. I gave birth to it really at the Ojai Playwrights Conference last year when it was um, me and uh, an actress, Nicole. Oh, Nicole White. Nicole White, mm-hmm. and I played the mother, and she was my daughter, and we rocked and rolled. She's fabulous, mm-hmm. you know, but um, I, she's uh, too young. Mm-hmm. God bless her. <laughs> But she's fabulous, and I played the mother, and she played the, and that's when Shirley asked me, after she saw that first reading when it was eight weeks old. You know, that's what I love about Ojai. They'll call me up and say, what do you got? Mm. Robert Egan did that. What do you have? I said, Robert, I've been toying with an idea that Harris gave me. You know, he said, won't you write that story about the garden? Mm. Remember you talked to me about your mother's garden? Mm. My mother's community garden mm-hmm. and all these people from the community who were in that garden. I thought I'd do something about the four lives or the three lives of those people. But that was, I talked to him about that 10 years ago, mm-hmm. 15 years ago. And then he remembered that. Mm. And he said, the garden. Now, 15 years later, I'm concerned about other things. Mm-hmm. So now I started working on it while doing Pose this season. Mm-hmm. And... um and decided it's a two-character play, and it's about a, a grown mother and her grown daughter. Mm-hmm. And that thing that happens between grown mothers and grown daughters, an alpha mother who raises an alpha daughter, and they meet in real time in the garden. Mm. And it's an hour and a half, and you know, and I took it to Ojai. It was eight weeks. And old. when was there blood on the floor? Tell us about the blood on I the floor. I can't tell. They got to come. I found the... <laughs> you can't tell us about the blood on the I floor? I found but the blood. But you found the blood on the floor? I found the blood. Okay, well, we got to go see the garden you to find to get to see, see the blood the on the floor. And I suggest any playwright when you're writing, you know, think about Shirley's question. When is there blood on the floor? You know, everything I write has a lot of blood on the floor because I'm very fond oh. of horror, so I just write a lot of blood on the floor. I hear that you just wrote... Uh, I just, you just produced, wrote, directed and, a feature film, yeah. And it's a horror film. Of course. Come That's on what now, I love. tell me about that. I don't know anything about that. Um, I, what I, I'll give you the log line. It's called Red Pill or Red Pill Movie 2020, and it's um, uh, the eve of the 2020 election, a posse of progressives ride into red country armed with their heart, humor, and naivete, they should have brought heavy artillery. (laughs) Come on! 
So it's my black woman's get out. And it's my, my friend has been doing the press release for me. And he gave me this. He said, you is smart. You, you is kind. You is important. You is dead. Ooh. 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 Yes, you is. Yes. So it's really my take on how progressives get so full of themselves and all mm-hmm. that they know. And, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that doesn't stand up to an no. AR-15. No, it does not. <laughs> So um, I wanted to ask you, well, actually, I wanted to tell you something Mm -hmm. that I say about you all the time, but I've never gotten to say you. And so this is this glorious opportunity, but I'm going to ask you about it from your point of view. Do you remember some advice you gave me about Jelly's Last Jam? Probably not, but. I remember when you were, um, you did the, uh, you did a a production of Jelly's Last Jam. Right, in LA. Yes. And then they were about to go to Broadway. Uh Uh-huh. And um, you called me and you said, you know what? Do you believe they want me to come in here and audition? Mm-hmm. I said, what? After seeing you, your performance mm-hmm. at the Mark Tabor, I was, <clears throat> you know, in, in, in L.A., I said, they want you, you. And you said, forget it. I'm not going to. And I said, oh, no. You, that's your show. And go get it. Claim it. Have it. Ha- have it. All these other people are going to come in there trying to do that thing. And you're going to show, you're going to walk in there, you're going to show them this is how it's done. And that is one of three times in my life that I recall that you gave me some advice that really was a turning point in my career. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, you know, I'm not going in there. I did this part. And you were like, girl, you better go in there and get your part. And don't let them say she wouldn't even come in here and audition. Right. That's and your part. You you belong in the Broadway production. And after that, I, w- I would always think of, of you, like when I had a difficult decision to make, I would think, <laughs> well, Charlene and I come from very different worlds, and she has a very different uh, lens on the world. And if I ask Charlene what to do in this situation, she's going to tell me something to do that my world of experiences would not even be able to think of that possibility. So do you off the top of your head, can you remember another time you did that for me? Or? <laughs> you know, Tanya, you know, it's it's crazy I did it again. Yes, you did. <laughs> you, you did. Know, like, you it's did. funny too because, you know, when in all these years of us being friends, I had no idea that what I say um, actually means something to you. You always do what I say do, but... Um, not always. Not but. always, but you did. Um, so uh, this is flooring me today that you have come to um, recognize these these things. Oh, I've recognized. I've told many people about it, but I've never gotten to tell you about it. But I remember, was it... Uh, I, I was asked to audition for... Was it Wild Party? That's one more time, yes. And I said, and Tanya had just had a baby. Mm-hmm. And um, I was I was actually rehearsing another play here. And uh, I called her up and I said, girl, there is a part for you in this Wild Party that they're asking me to audition for. But I told George mm-hmm. that you have to call Tanya Pinkins, I'm not coming in for this. I'm not auditioning for this. This is her role, and you need to call her and get her here. And I have this real memory of uh, the two of us sitting outside of the Time Time, uh, uh, restaurant down from the public right after you had done 
your audition, audition. with my baby and I had big and, breasts and, you and had, nursing. And I'm and sitting there looking at her and going, look at her. She's like a big old lush fertile garden. She was there all looking like, where is the baby? Just stick up there. And you were like, I was like, look at Tanya just after having a baby. <laughs> and you had just, you were very calm about it. You had just finished the audition. It was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I did it. Yeah. And there's one more. Oh, goodness. Do you remember the other one? What's the other one? Um, I'll tell you if I'm not going to okay. make you sit here. So the, the third one is Carolina Change. Oh. When um, they were doing it at um, the public and um, I was I had two little kids and my youngest and so other two older ones and I was living in L.A. and they uh, were going to do it in New York and I couldn't afford to come. Mm-hmm. I couldn't afford. I wasn't a New York hire and I couldn't afford to come. And you told me, well, you have to beg, George. And I was like, beg, beg, beg. And you were like, now, Tanya, you talk too fast and it makes people nervous. You need to write it all down (laughs) and you need to read it and you need to talk slowly and you need to beg George and tell him why you have to do this show and what you need to be able to do it. And so really, Jelly's Last Jam on Broadway and Wild Party and and Carolina change, I have always attributed to taking advice from you. Oh, so it's, it's, it's my privilege you. to get to Look say thank you, you to you for that. Yeah. Well, I just believe that we, we make these careers and I feel like if I want something, I'm not waiting for someone to gift me with it. <clears throat> you know, I go after it. So that then I could say, you know, I tried to get, I did everything I could to get that. And, you know, it wasn't in the stars, mm. you know, and all those wonderful opportunities <clears throat> kept coming to you, you mm-hmm. know, and um, I could tell that, that they belonged to you, you know, and that your, your voice was going to carry that. So, you know, but well, I, I, you. I, I knew it. And, it's kind of great when those things come and you go snatch it. And then it wasn't a mistake. It was not a mistake. I saw you in Carolina Change. Thank you. And it was brilliant. I saw you one day after rehearsal and you were talking about the writer's brilliance, mm. the brilliance of that writer, mm. the music. And you said it's so intricate and it's so challenging, mm. you know? Yeah. And that's what we want. Oh, yeah. That's what we yeah. want is some challenge and some time to bake that bread. Yes, I know. That's that's my frustration. I don't get to be challenged very often. I want to talk to you about how we came up in the theater mm-hmm. and how we had people who we had to, I mean, you know, there were standards that were set for us by the other actors in the room that is very different. I think today it would be called harassment. <laughs> It would, the way we were treated as newbies coming into the Ooh, theater child. was uh, very different than people get treated today. Oh, yes. I remember once I when I came in to do uh, a, 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 a My Name is Alice, and it was, I think it was Elena Reed, Triple Scorpio, God Rest Her Soul. Yes. And I forgot who the other one was after you had left. So it was the woman who replaced you, and they were like, hmm, we heard you already know the show. And so both of them took off in my first week. And I had to go in having understudied two people in one week because they were like setting the standard of what I was going to have to do. <clears throat> mm-hmm. oh. And and I did Ain't Misbehaving in Allentown oh. with Lenny Godfrey. And I think it was, 
God, Jennifer Lewis maybe, and they were just like these divas. The divas were like they reconfigured all the music and just gave me the songs they didn't want. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. so I know you had yeah, some you of had that to, in Ain't Misbehaving. You had to earn your position. Oh yes, you had to earn your place in the cast That's in right. the family of. Of, of, of actors who work like this. That's right. You know, and they didn't give you any slack None. at all. I was uh, just, um, I was hosting this um, York Theater uh, gala last week, and we honored Andre De Shields mm -hmm. with the Oscar Hammerstein Award. Yes. And I said, um, when I first met him on the first day of rehearsal, there was Andre walking around in that red jumpsuit and those silver studded platforms and, you know, eating <clears throat> a peach or an apple, you know, just eating it. And um, and I he let me know by the end of rehearsal that he was perched capriciously on the precipice of the abyss. And, you know, I'm thinking, hmm, I've got to work with that, you know? And then a, a couple of, like a week later, I said, Andre, do you think we're going to be a hit? He said, darling, we are a hit. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I'm in the second week of rehearsal. Mm -hmm. I had three weeks of rehearsal to pull that thing together. They had already done it at... Um, Manhattan Theater Club, mm -hmm. they were a hit. Limousines were around the corner waiting for them, waiting to get into <clears throat> Ain't Misbehaving. So now it's moved, and I'm replacing the person who did it at, at MTC. And um, I came from drama school, and I'd only done one musical that was, you know, in, in the summer. I went and did Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope. Thank God for Vinette Carroll, you know. And... Um, but I did not know about, and I was, it's all gospel music, and, you know, I was the ingenue, and it was, you know, and it was kind of, it was, it was, you know, kind of treacherous then. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, with all those singers and dancers, and I realized there's a whole culture going on there that was new to me, not like drama school, not like conservatory, and uh, where there were other rules. But when I got into ink, it's like, come on. Rise up, because we are going for it. We are going to win. And they told me, that cast told me, we are going to win every award a musical could possibly win in a season. So you better not fuck it up. You better come on. Mm. And at one point, uh, they took me aside and said, you know, uh, was it, who was, I don't know. They said, you know, don't bring any attitude on stage. You, we now see that you're the energy, and if you don't like being here, then just let that let that happen after or before the show, because now we see you're the energy mm. of the show. So don't don't come, don't be sad one day, don't be hmm, me, me, me. it's like hit it. And I must say, you know, it, they taught me what it is to be a. Uh, Excellent, what it, how excellent we have to be. They were not fooling around. Mm -hmm. You know, we have worked hard. We've come through the snowstorm, all that stuff in Ma for Manhattan Theater Club. Rise up to this. Mm -hmm. And I had to. I spent nights just trying to learn that music. I said, this is, this is not in my key. And, and, and they said, you know, darling, we are all singing at the top of our range. Learn it. Mm. It was that simple. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, rise up. We're all in the struggle. And we are going to do something. What did Andre say? The audience loves to see you do what they cannot do. Mm. 
And so, and our audience came back over and over and over again. And so every time, you know, it was about, it got to a point where you're trying to beat the audience. You mean, we're going to stay ahead of them. You know, it was, it was, it, it was the kind of thing that made you crazy. Mm. I, be, I was, I became agoraphobic mm. during eight. Really? Because of the pressure. Now, I didn't know it was agoraphobia until I saw a Time Magazine article on it. I said, oh, that's what I've got. <laughs> I've got agoraphobia or something, you know, because I had... I didn't want to leave the house and I'd get into a cab and get to the theater. I'd be <clears throat> having sort of an anxiety attack until I crawl up those steps oh. and then st sit there at the doorman. He'll give me my letters and have me read my stuff and I'd collect myself. And then I'd go downstairs and get my little bag and my How You Baby pumps and come back up and work out and get warm up and get ready for the show. And then, you know, Harris would meet me, my husband, after. He was my boyfriend then. And then... We would all, you know, and he, I'd come home with him, but I didn't know it. Harris actually got me a uh, a Russian wolfhound puppy and brought it to the house, and we were living up on 80th, West 80th, and then he went to San Francisco for two weeks and left me with a puppy, and you know, the Capricorn is not going to let the puppy pee on her wood floors, so I had to go outside mm. like eight times a day to, to train oh, this. Oh, so he knew, he knew you well enough to know what was going to... Right, we didn't know the name of it. Right, right away, but then, you know, and then I bring the dog to work with me <laughs> and everything, and you know, and we would be like a comfort animal that we call it now, right? Exactly, <laughs> and um, and then you know, but then I got over it, you know. He the the dog Sh Shango, he brought me out of that agoraphobia, and what it was also is I was learning how to do a musical, how to give a hundred ten percent at eight shows a week, how to go on vocal silence and be. Quiet, and how to get out of a smoke-filled restaurant or a loud restaurant and how to save myself after I totally swell your vocal cords by giving everything for an two hours. Then you get into that little vacuum and stay there. Oh, people in my neighborhood for the longest time thought I just could not speak. <laughs> and they'd be, you know, I just gave, came into the cleaners with a note that said, picking up Charlene Woodard. And then, you know, he'd write me a note, then I'd have to write, no, you can speak. <laughs> <laughs> but for the 15 years that I did musicals, Woo! I was on vocal silence because all I knew was one way to work. And I was self-taught as far as singing. You know, I didn't, ha I never had a class, a singing class. Um, but I, so I would do silence. And uh, 15 years mm -hmm. of that, just preparing, my whole day would be for the show, mm. you know, to pre prepare to get to, to the show. I think people, you know, uh, sort of imagine that you only work three hours a night mm -mm. or something, and but it takes all day to prepare to mm -hmm. do that three it's hours a night. It's life and death. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you take that job, when I took a job, I and I remember being, when I first got into like off-Broadway show, I'm like telling people, guys, if you just, I actually said to a friend in the cast, if you see how you're singing that in your head, um, take that out of your head and belt it. That, that Those last three notes, belt the daylights out of them. And then she goes, oh, no, 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 Charlene. I lost my voice doing Ain't Misbehaving. <laughs> I am never going to lose my voice again. If I belt that every night, I said, the audience is going to bring down the house. You've got the 11th hour song. 
belt that shit out and get us on Broadway. Right. <laughs> I was like that. I couldn't do it. Like, I know. My, and she said, I cannot do that. I said, yes, you can. She goes, well, I don't want to lose my voice. You go in vocal silence. But we were, we came up in a time. Right. That's what you did. That's right. If that's what you did. Or they they shamed you all day you long. They'd be sitting there talking about you. Mm-hmm. You know, you, oh, they'd be rolling no. their eyes. No, you had to step up. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's where we came from, you know. And it was all different. I remember doing, um, I was doing Raisin in the Sun in Philadelphia. And with the Patha. With the Patha. Rosetta Carter played Mama. And for the life of me, in all, every day in rehearsal, she could not slap me. So I'm beneath her. She, her, little, her hands start shaking and coming in she slow She wasn't Claudia McNeil, who they said slap the and, hell And I out said, of. oh my God, and we tried it. Fake slap, nothing, not one slap ever worked. And the director, old school brother, and he said, um, you know, come on now. And I said, well, I can make it work because I did it in the audition without anybody slapping me for real. So I could, I could just make it work. You know, I'm going to move about and fall off. and <laughs> I'll do it. But um, we get to Thanksgiving Day. Mm. And we, they give us a big dinner. And then it's the, 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 oh, the preview. Beef, it's the uh, invited dress. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all ate. Anyway, uh, all the producer, you know, the people are there. Nice audience of people in the know. And um, we're doing it. And we get to that part where she's supposed to slap me. And it was like way far away. The director jumped up and said, no, no, we cannot have this. And he came running down the, the In the aisle. preview. And it's the day before the previous, okay. the invited dress. And he starts, he says, Rosanna, Rosanna, this young lady is defiling your home. She's, she's, she's uh, cursing your God. You've got to look her in the face and you've got to slap the shit out of her. And he slapped me and I went flying across the stage and I went into the stereo system and I was down there like this. And, and, and Pathan, and I remember all the cast come running towards me. And I was like, mm, mm, you know, and then, you know, I almost vomited because, you know, my grandmother said, if anybody ever slapped you, if a man ever put his hand on him, kill him, you know. <laughs> and that's how I was feeling like all that, all that Thanksgiving dinners coming out at you. You know, I just wanted to do that projectile vomiting and everything. And then they said, okay, just calm, you know, everybody calm down, and, you know, and then, you know, but see, uh, if that happened, and, you know, and I remember you said, like, let's start from the beginning. I said, no, we will start after the slap. Mm. This is Tanya Pinkins. Thank you for listening to part one of my interview with Charlene Woodard. Part two is coming up next. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.